0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fine Kristen Podcast, episode 10. My name is Dennis Mann, and today we're going to be talking about one of Kristen's co-workers, a man by the name of Kelly Strathman. I say man now, but back in 1997, he's like this kid, you know. But uh, we're, we're 23 years into this. But just to recap who Kelly is and why he is uh, important to this case is the timeline again. Kristen disappeared in June of 97. I got involved in October of 97. I was running out of things to do by May of 1998. And I just started to start from scratch again. And the owner of Spinelli's Coffee gave me permission. He wrote a letterhead, gave it to me. And uh, I brought it to the store that Kristen worked at. And the letterhead basically said, listen, make room for Dennis. Allow him to interview all the employees about anything related to Kristen. So I went over to Spinelli's Gave it to the the store manager there, Bernadette Melvin. She was wonderful. And Bernadette set a table up in the restaurant and said, Dennis, here you go. You get free hot chocolate all day long. And she gave me a list of the timesheet for June 23rd of all the people that were working. So it was easy just to, when I would interview somebody, I would just check their name off. And at the end of the day, uh, there was one name that I had not checked, and it was Kelly Strathman. And I had mentioned to one of the other coworkers, Oh man, I just—I don't know how to find Kelly. She, and I remember she said, "Don't worry about it. That's—I I can help you with that." She said, "Dennis, look up this guy named Matthew Q. and uh, I, I know for a fact that his name is in the phone book. And Matthew and Kelly were really good friends, and Matthew can tell you how to get a hold of Kelly. It was that innocent, but I've repeated that many times. So if, if you've been following along, you already know that. So." I call Matthew LeQ and Matthew gets very, very angry at me and he hangs up the phone as I, he did more than that. He slammed the phone down on me. But I was like, damn, all I was trying to do was find Kelly. Well, this is 1998. And, uh, you know, uh, Facebook didn't come along until 2004. Know, Google was, it was well after 1998. So it wasn't as easy to get a hold of people then. And over the time, it was just the years went by. I never was able to uh, reach up with Kelly. And now that I think about it, it's just, it's a monument to my incompetence that I didn't speak to him earlier. But regardless, I finally did connect up with Kelly back in 2017. And uh, he'd moved to Minnesota. And I, I think he's in Texas right now as I speak. But anyway, Kelly responded. He said he did not feel comfortable speaking with me on the phone. He said, however, he goes, I'm not blowing you off. He said, Dennis, if you'll write me a list of questions, Um, I'm too busy tonight, but tomorrow I have some free time. I'll sit down and and I'll give you thoughtful responses to everything you ask me. So that's what I did. And uh, so today's podcast is going to basically be the questions that I asked Kelly and then then his response. So you can go to the findkristen.com website, and I've got everything up there. So you can just read it when you have time. But I know that podcasts are an an, an audio medium, so I'm going to do my best to read the questions that I sent to Kelly, and then I'll, I'll read you his answers. And I know it gets kind of boring when people just read stuff, so I'm going to try to avoid sounding like I'm just reading a piece of paper. But then anyway, again, so this is what, we're in 2020 now. So this is uh, three years ago. So um, so here we go. So this is the responses, the questions and responses between myself and Kelly Straff and one of Kristen's coworkers. So, but before we went into the, the Q and A part of it, uh, he, he this is what he he wrote in the email. I remember, this is uh, in 2017. He said, "Hey Dennis, he goes, no worries. I'm I'm not sure if I can help much, but I'll do what I can." He said, "Actually, I don't go by Kelly. I go by Kelly. It's, it's not a big deal. though, don't, don't worry about that." Here's pretty much everything I can remember. Forgive me if I ramble a bit. It was a long time ago, and I'm trying to make sure I tell you everything I can. And then he goes on to say, you know, the last time I saw Kristen was at work, I didn't know her well beyond the occasional chit-chat during the portion of our shifts that overlapped. So Kristen worked mornings and he worked evenings, so they'd meet each other during shift changes. Because I never hung out hung out with her outside of Spinelli's or anything. She had just finished her shift and she mentioned that she was about to start a second job in a day or so. I think it was in the East Bay somewhere. And what he's referring to is Kristen had another part-time job because she needed more hours. And so she got a job at a coffee shop at the Museum of Modern Art. Uh, she went and applied. She got hired. She went through a, a brief training, but she didn't. She was abducted the day before she was supposed to start her very first shift. But that was at the. But he's referring to the, uh, the coffee shop at the Museum of Modern Art in downtown San Francisco. Then he goes on to say, you know, it was pretty early. And she, she still wanted to explore San Francisco a bit before heading back to her home in the East Bay. So he goes, myself, Alan Beauregard, John Berghalter, and Kristen, we talked about a few places worth visiting, but the only one we came up with that she hadn't been to before was the Cliff House, Sutro Baths, the Land's End area. We told her how to get there by bus. It was a pretty straight shot from the number 38 Geary bus, but man, it was a long ride. And Kristen said that she definitely wanted to check it out, but she wasn't sure if she would go that day or not but she made sure that she knew where to catch the bus and where to get off in case she did want to go. Dennis, I never saw her again after she left the shop. So if she did hang around with the blonde lady afterwards, I never saw it. He then goes on to say, when she went missing, our manager, Bernie, was out of town somewhere. I can't remember if it was a family member or a roommate, but somebody came in and told us that Kristen was missing and asked if we could hang up a flyer in the window. Now, before I mention the next part of what he talks about, it's going to sound like Spinelli's is a really, really crappy corporate company. But I think what happened is – well, let me read you this first, and then I'll, I'll comment on that. Okay? I knew we had a strict policy about never hanging flyers up in the window. Most coffee shops have their windows filled with stuff like that. But you know I figured corporate would make an exception due to the circumstances. So I took the flyer, and I called corporate office myself. I told the cor- woman at corporate – because I don't know who it was, Dennis – I told, but I told her the situation that one of her co-workers had gone missing and asked for permission to hang a, the flyer up. Now get this, Kelly goes on to say, and I was told absolutely not. And when I pressed her about it, Dennis, I was told that it would be a violation of corporate policy and anyone who put, put it up would be terminated. I'm not sure if it was this, later that same day or the next day, but a TV station showed up and asked if they could film us and ask us questions. You know, we we knew that cameras were not allowed. We told them they could not film, but we we were we agreed to answer a few questions in the hope that it might help. Mostly we thought if she was just a runaway or, or parting or something, then this would eventually be solved. The TV's crew said that the police were not wanting to get involved since she was over 18 and she was only missing a few days. One of the questions was that the TV station asked us, like, why, why are there no flyers in the window? And I, I told them, said, you know, we asked corporate and we were told that we'd be fired if we hung them up. The TV crew was a bit astounded by that, but after explaining what I had been told, they thanked us and left. The next day when I came into work, I noticed a bunch of flyers in the window, and the manager from the other store, a British guy named Tony, I think, he came out and he grabbed me before I could go in, and he said he wanted to talk to me. He told me that it was on the news about them refusing to hang up flyers, and they wanted to find out who said that, and they wanted to fire them immediately since they made the company look bad. Dennis, I told him I was the one who told that to a reporter, and I did so because they indeed refused to allow us to hang up the flyer. Well, this guy told me not to admit it if I wanted to keep my job going forward. No one other than management at the store was allowed to talk to the media. He asked me who else knew that I had said that, which would have been John Burkhalter and Alan Beauregard. He goes, the three of us, were, re- were the, we were the regular night crew, and he said we would talk to them and make sure that they kept their mouths shut so that no one else would get fired. And here's where I want to break in. It sounds like corporate office is being a total jerk about the Ferry's pain and suffering. But what I think really happened is sometimes you get a bureaucrat within the corporate um, ladder and they're just being jerks. And I say that because when I approached the owner of the company, Arthur Spinelli, he could not have been more cooperative. So I don't think Mr. Spinelli knew that one of his uh, corporate employees were are treating uh, Kristen's and family that way, so I wouldn't really. That's a reflection on on, on one idiot employee at Spinelli's, and not the corporation. Mr. Spinelli was fantastic to us. All right, so continue on with what uh, Kelly had to say. He goes, uh, "We were told also told a little later that, that it was bringing out various crazy people out of the woodwork who wanted to get involved. A couple of the police mentioned." The same thing to us. I believe there was a couple people claimed to have seen her. Another guy claimed he found her shoes. Now, regarding Matt LeQ or LeCue, I still don't know how to pronounce the last name. I used to work with his brother, Matt, Michael, who he lived with. We were big fans of heavy metal and saw a few shows together. And he let me crash on his couch a few times when I first came back to San Francisco. He goes, Dennis, I was the one that told Matt that Spinelli's Spinelli was usually a hiring, since I knew he was looking for a job, so I referred him there but we weren't really close friends or anything. I knew his brother, Michael, a lot better. Matt was a good guy. We had a couple of acquaintances in common, but we never hung out very often or anything. Then he goes on to say, Matt, or maybe it was his brother, he told me months afterward that the weird connection with the crazy lady that Matt had dated briefly, he's talking about Jill Ampo, and some boyfriend of hers, you know, John Anuma, who claimed that he did something to Kristen. I remember him saying that she was hot, but that she was batshit crazy. I know the police, Dennis. I know, I know the police talked to him as well about it. But I'm guessing since you're not an actual police officer, maybe Matt just assumed you were one of the crazy people coming out of the woodwork. And that's likely why he wasn't terribly friendly with you when you called him. San Francisco, as you know, does have a lot of crazy people. All right. So that was the preamble. And then the, the rest of this podcast is going to be the questions that I asked Kelly and then Kelly's response to me. And the first question I asked him was, I said, Kelly, as you know, there's a monster named John Onuma who's a suspect. He lives in Hawaii now. And Kelly said, well, you know, I'm not familiar with this guy at all, but the police showed me a picture of an Asian guy and asked if I knew him or if I'd seen him before. But that was the first time I ever seen or heard of the guy. Matt and her brother told me about the weird connection later, and that was the only other time I ever heard of him. The next I asked, uh, Kelly said, did Onuma ever come by Spinelli's that you know of him? Kelly says, no, not that I'm aware of. But it was a pretty busy place, especially in the mornings. It was a pretty rapid service, so not too many people stood out to me unless they were literally hanging out there every single day. The next question, did Kristen ever discuss with you her plan for the day she vanished? And Kelly goes on to say, you know, when she vanished that day, she mentioned that she didn't want to go straight home. and She was wondering what to do instead. She chatted with me, John, and Alan. It's John Burkhalter, Alan Beauregard about what to do. We suggested a few things, but the one thing that she sounded most interested in was going to the Cliff House Chutro-Baz Land's End area. She sounded like it was a possibility. She got some basic directions on how to get there on the bus, but didn't indicate to us either way if she's going to go there or not. We just don't know. The next question. Alan Beauregard and John Burkhalter told me that they talked with her about doing various things, but she already did what they suggested. She told him she was thinking about going to the beach, but she was not sure. And then he says, well, you know, I was part of that discussion, Dennis. It sounds pretty accurate from my recollection. It wasn't really the beach we talked about, but it was the Cliff House, Sutro Lands, and area. She had a couple questions about how easy it was to get there on the bus. It's pretty easy. It's as far away from downtown as you can get, but it's pretty easy nonetheless. And then we a couple more questions. I said, I said, Kelly, what, if anything, did she say that day that you can remember? I said, Dennis, I really don't remember a lot. Just a few minutes worth of conversation as she was getting out of there. I know she mentioned something about starting her second job very soon and that school had started it was about to start soon. And she was real excited about it. And then she wanted so she wanted to do something before going back home to Oakland, and she was looking for suggestions. Then I asked her, I said, Kelly, we know that Kristen went to the beach two days earlier. It was summer solstice. It was June 21st. She went there or met with two other girls. I said, Kelly, do you have any idea who those other women may be? And he said, no, Dennis, no clue at all. He goes, I wasn't even aware of anything like that. And then I asked Kelly. I said, Joanna, Joanna Sondheim. She was one of Kristen's co-workers, and, and I got a phone call from her. She said, Dennis, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is important or not, but I was going through some old photographs, and I found a photograph of, of Kristen, and I was wondering if you guys would want it. I said, hell, yeah, we want it. And uh, in San Francisco, uh, you have a lot of artists. And not everybody can afford to show their art at museums. So they would have art shows in their houses. And uh, they went to some apartment where there was like an impromptu art show. And Joanne had taken a picture of the whole room. And over in the corner, there was one picture of Kristen. She had a back turn to us. And Joanna gave that to us. And I gave that to the Montefiores and to uh, the Oakland police. But anyway, I asked Kelly, I said, Kelly, Joanna had a photo of Kristen at an art gallery that was actually in someone's apartment. Do you know anything at all about that art show? He goes, no, Dennis, I'm not aware of anything like that either. And I said, Kelly, for some reason, Kristen did not clock out the day she vanished. She was supposed to get off at three, but she didn't clock out. Do you have any ideas? any ideas why not? And Kelly says, my guess is she just forgot. I seem to remember her standing around for a bit after a shift chatting with the three of us, John, Allen and myself, about finding something to do before going home. Her shift was over, and she stayed a bit longer chatting with us before she headed out. And then I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Alan Beauregard and John Burkhalter, they saw Kristen on the second floor of the mall about 45 minutes after her shift, and she was walking next to a blonde-haired girl. And that woman never came forward. And so I asked Kelly, do you have any idea who that might be? And he answered, not a clue. I never saw her after she left the shop. If she was still in the mall afterwards, I didn't see her. And the last question I had for Kelly was, um, I had been told that some guy that did not work at Spinelli's, but was a bit of a regular customer, took a liking to Kristen, and he actually asked her out for a date, and she turned him down. And I asked Kelly, do you know who that was? And he said, no, Dennis, I don't have any idea on that one either. I met that guy once. Back in 1998, and uh, I was told about him, and a couple days later he came, like he was a regular and he came in again. he was a young guy. I forget his name right now. and back in 1998, trust me, I send everything I've got to the Oakland police and to the Mata ferries. But back then I was going by a, um, a different email at the time and it was a different laptop, and that, that laptop got destroyed. I was going by email, firstden at AOL.com, and I no longer have those files. His name would have been in there, but I'm sure I've given that to the open PD, so I'm sure that his name is in there somewhere. But uh, So that's basically um, Kel's story. I, I really like the fact that uh, Kel took it upon himself to try to get a flyer campaign going and talk to the media. That's the way a normal person should behave, and uh, I'm grateful that he did that. But why he won't agree to speak to me on the phone, like, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for that. But anyway, so just as a recap, I live this stuff, so I know it, but I know you're hearing it for the first time, many of you. Kelly worked alongside Kristen at Spinelli's. Kelly was friends with a guy named Michael LeCue. Michael and Matt, they lived together um, on Market Street near the Castro District. And they hung out together. Kelly's the one who told Matthew, hey, if you need a job, come work at Spinelli's. We got openings here. And Matthew ended up going to work at Spinelli's a month or so after Kristen disappeared. But why this is important Just I've mentioned it many times in the past. uh, there's, There's no secret that John Onuma is one of the suspects in this case. I mean, he was mentioned on America's Most Wanted, and he was dating Jill Lampo at the time. Well, Jill broke up with Matthew LeCue or Matthew LeCue to start dating John Onuma. And the reason why that's important to me is that FBI stat, it's in the high 90% of the time though, when a woman is met with foul play, she knows her sound. And Kristen was only in the Bay Area for 23 days. So there was a limited number of people, 35 to 50, I'm guessing, it's it's. But she didn't know hundreds of thousands of people. She didn't. It was, it was limited because she was only there for 23 days. So I'm trying to think, how can Onuma be included in one of those, that subset of people? And my thinking is, well, it's through Jill Lambo because Jill was dating Matthew Lucay, who ended up working at the same coffee shop because he was friends with our Kelly Strathman here. And she broke up with Matthew to start dating John Onuma. And then on June 23rd, 1997. Kristen walked out of the Crocker Gallery mall. We haven't seen her since. So, if you know anything about Kristen's case that can help us, go to findkristen.com. On the home page, there is a uh, anonymous. There's a tip form. Just don't leave in. If you want to be anonymous, leave your name and your email out of it. Just enter in the comment section, hit enter, and I'll make sure the Mountefiore's and the Oakland Police get it. You can call me directly, 914-483-7214. Okay, or if you want, you can contact uh, Oakland PD. Talk to Sergeant Bradley Young. His phone number is 510-238-3320. So, again, the uh, website is com, And I've got the entire uh, letter between myself and, and Kel Strathman up on his just Look for episode 10 under the podcast link, okay? Episode 10, you'll see the letter. And I also have a Facebook group, which is uh, findkristen.com forward slash or facebook.com findkristen. All right, thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.